Hi, everybody. I'm so excited to be here today. And I am Leanne of the Clackety Clickety Typewriter video you just saw. And I want to start today with sharing my story about the moment that God's love found me. Um, I have attended church for as long as I can remember. Uh, my family church that I grew up in was a Jesus oriented church. It was a vibrant church. It was a fun church. Um, I would say it was like life affirming. It wasn't, I don't remember too much fire and brimstone from the pulpit. I don't remember too much guilt. I remember a lot of people that uh, really loved Jesus and loved to get together and worship him. Um, we were an outward looking community. I wouldn't call us the most diverse community, but I think we were trying the best that, that we could. And I spent most of my weekends there. Friday night was youth group. Uh, Saturday was sport. Lots of teams connected to church. And then Sunday, we were there in the morning for the traditional service. Uh, and then we were back again every Sunday night at 7 o'clock for like the jazzy gospel service. So that was my weekends. And I knew a lot about Jesus. I knew a lot of people and I loved them dearly. My youth group leaders, yay youth group leaders. I know we have fantastic youth group leaders here that spend a lot of hours telling kids about Jesus. And I had the same in my life. I knew a lot. But here was my dilemma. Starting in seventh grade, I used to catch two buses every morning across to another town to do an academic extension program. And the town was quite different to, to my town. It would be, I'd say it was poorer um, economically. As I got to know the kids that I was at school with, it was very apparent to me that their home lives were not at all like my home life. And no one talked about God. No one talked about church. I figure none of them went to youth group because like youth group was fun and you would think you would talk about that if you went to youth group. So Monday to Friday, God didn't really exist in the world that I was in from 7th grade, 8th grade, 9th grade, 10th grade. Friday to Sunday, you, I was just with people that didn't even act like there was a possibility that God didn't exist. So this was my reality. And as I got to about 15, I was kind of tired of this uh, world that I lived in that was very no God during the week, God on the weekend. And I saw every Sunday night we had a gospel invitation. Uh, the preacher would say, if you want to acknowledge that Jesus died for you, that he loves you, and that he wants to take hold of your life and um, help you live it to the full, then, you know, all you have to do is say, yes, I believe this, and then come down the front and, and give your life to him. And I would hear that every week. And every week I was like, how is it that these people just go down the front and they know it? They know that that's the truth. And yet I could see that in the people that I knew and I loved, and yet all week, no one talked about God. No one gave me any sense that God really was real. So I remember this one Sunday night, I was in the pew, I was listening to the preacher, and I was just saying, okay, God, I think I know you're real. I think that I love you. I think that you exist. All I know is I'm like so tired of this, this not being sure and this you know, life of two, two halves, basically. And I said, and I can't believe I did this, you have to show me that you're real. You have to give me something right now that, that tells me you're real. And <laughs> I seriously, I had to look up to the ceiling to make sure 
that no one turned on like a hot water tap because in that moment, I physically felt like I had hot water just like touch the t pouring onto the top of my head, not touch, pouring on the top of my head, down my body all the way to my toes. Of course, there was no hot water tap. Like God found me in that moment. That was God's love for me. That was his moment where he said, you want to know I'm real? Here you go. <laughs> and that is my story. From that day on, I have never doubted God's love. From that moment, the peace that came over my life and the change that happened in my certainty of him loving me and him being real has never left. I've had a very interesting, and I'll talk about it a bit late, later, um, relationship with the Holy Spirit ever since that really physical presence of him um, coming into my life. And before I knew it, I was down the front of the church and I was saying, yes, this is real for me and um, had some very happy youth group leaders and happy parents. And um, I have been happy <laughs> ever since as far as that decision that I made on that day. And I start with this story because today I really want you guys to think about the moment that God's love found you. I am going to ask you to put it in the chat box at the end of um, me talking a bit about what the Bible says about love. And just like I, I typed into the box earlier, that's what I really want you to, to boil it down to. What was going on in your life the moment that God's love found you? Some of you it will be a while ago. Some of you it will be recent. Those of you that have known God for a while, you'll have lots of stories of, of love finding you and God's love breaking through circumstances in your life. But I want you to try and Find that moment, remember that moment where his love first found you, where he drew you close, where you knew his love was real. And I want you to put it in the chat box. So um, it could be like, my name is Leanne and God's love found me when I was grieving. God's love found me when I was riding high. God's love found me when I was lonely. Whatever was happening, see if you can get it down to like five words or less, okay? So I'm giving you time to think about it because I really want us to share that in the, the chat box at the end of today. And why? Because today I want us as a community to say out loud and to testify to God's love, God's amazing love, God's capable love, God's intimate love, God's love that seeks every person in Fairfield County and wants to disrupt their lives. I want us to remind each other um, and encourage each other with our stories of God's love breaking in. And I want us to have the faith that says, we are a community that loves a God that can redeem your life, just as God has redeemed ours in our individual stories. So start thinking. Scripture tells us that God is love. God is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the loving creator of the universe. He loved each of us before we were even knitted together in our mother's wombs. He loved us as humankind before he lovingly spoke us into existence. Um, he crafted us in his image. He created us to be in relationship with him. And the plan of a loving creator in communion with his beloved creation was part of his design. As Tom mentioned in Genesis, he created a world for us and a world that was good. The story of God's love is that even when sin broke our relationship with God, he loved us. Even as humankind has refused restoring relationship with him, he has loved us. Even when we have consistently through time put other things in God's place, he has loved us. 
even when we've looked at each other and we've acknowledged that outside of God we can't love each other enough, he has continued to love us. And the story of God's love is that he is chasing us down. He has chased us down. He is chasing everyone. He is drawing us close. He is wrapping us up in his love. So why? So that we might have life. And the the scripture tells us so that we can have life to the full. We are not talking about like the little cute pink love emoji at the end of a text. We are talking about huge, indescribable, ferocious, unending love that is gracious, merciful, and it's his essence. It is who he is poured out on us. Um, The Bible is full of stories of when God's love met people. And sometimes I think we think the Old Testament is like this story of a God that is judgmental and um, plagues and wars and somehow all of a sudden he becomes like a a loving God in the New Testament when he sends Christ. But we know that's not true. We know it's not true because God is love and his character never changes. And we also know because... As you read the Old Testament, it doesn't take long to find stories of people where God has reached down and and found them in their moments. And the first story that I really want to take a quick look at is found in Joshua 2, and it's the story of Rahab. Rahab is a Canaanite. She is living in Jericho. She is a she. She's a woman. Canaanites were the enemies of the Israelites, and as a woman, she didn't hold much place in society. Her occupation was a prostitute. She had a house in the wall of Jericho and people would come and stay and go. Some translations, the word harlots used, some translations innkeeper, but you know, it gives you a picture of what she was doing to survive in Jericho as a woman um, living in that time. And By her own words, as we read Joshua 2, she was in a place where her heart was melted in fear. She had heard the stories as people had been coming and going from her house about um, the fact that the Israelite army had crossed the Red Sea on dry land, that their God had held back the waters and that they had made their way through. She had heard the stories about how the Israelite army had had victories in battle and that their God had brought them through battles victorious against huge armies, against huge kings that the Canaanites knew were formidable um, enemies. So she'd heard these stories and it doesn't take you much to imagine her at night just starting to realise that this God that the Israelites talk about was really who he claimed to be, that he was God. You can imagine in her lonely moments just saying to God, maybe loudly, maybe quietly in her heart, like, are you really real? Are you who you say you are? And I think that she had come to the point where she had realized these stories are true. And her moment where God found her happened one day as she opened the door and there were two Israelite spies standing there looking for somewhere to stay. God's people had come to her door. God had come to her door in her moment of fear. And it happened that she hid the spies from the king who was wanted, wanted them out of his city. And she said to them, When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth. Out loud, she spoke those words that were probably rolling around in her heart in the quietness of night. 
Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father, my mother, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and that you will save us from death. Even though she's speaking this to two Israelite spies, I like to think she is just, this is her prayer to God. She is saying, here is my moment, God. Will you save me? Will you honor my faith in my small, tiny faith that you are who you say you are? Well, they worked it out. The soldiers said yes. They worked out that she'd hang a cord in the window. She let them down the side of the wall. And then, sure enough, and we'll read the verses in a minute, God saved her. God saved her family. This woman, this Canaanite, this prostitute had God come and find her in her moment. And it just it, it brings to mind the first framework piece of today, what we're going to look at today about God's love, and that is unconditional. There is no person, no type of person, no gender, no age, no race, no person who's done anything that God does not love. He loves everyone. He loved Rahab. We will be in heaven one day with Rahab, and we will hear her story from her own lips. Um, And as we look at Joshua 6, we see that This is the end of her story of God's love. In Joshua 6, the Israelites burned the whole city and everything in it. They put silver and gold and articles of bronze and iron into the treasury of the Lord's house. But Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute and her family and all who belonged to her because she hid the men. Joshua had sent as spies to Jericho and she lives among the Israelites to this day. She found a new family. She she found a place in God's, God's love. Now we're going to jump to the New Testament and we find Zacchaeus in Luke. I put that he was a man, just just to to, to show this is now, we had a woman, now we have a man in, in the New Testament. And that gives him some position in society, but his real position in society that he had was as chief tax collector. Um, because of this position that he had, he was wealthy. Now, he had come by his wealth by overtaxing and cheating people out of money, but this is who Zacchaeus was. The other funny thing that Luke 19 tells us is that he was short. Um, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm tall, he was short. The thing is, it, it becomes an important part of the story. In the city at the time, um, People knew Jesus was on his way and that he was coming. People were curious. They had heard about him and they wanted to see him as he came through the town. And the story in Luke 19 tells us that Zacchaeus also wanted to see Jesus. And because he was short, he was worried that he wouldn't be able to see over the crowds. Now, you would think the chief tax collector might have a seat at the front row of the city, you know, and and get to see Jesus come by. But um, he was not well-loved. He was not well-liked. He was a known cheat, it says in verse 7. He took money that wasn't really for the government. It wasn't fair, but he lined his pockets and and people did not invite Zacchaeus around for Sunday barbecues. Uh, He was not loved. So he knew he had to find a place where he could see. So he climbed a tree and sat up there to watch Jesus come through the city. And and the, the story tells us that as Jesus walked, He looked up, he saw Zacchaeus and he pointed straight at him and he called him by name and he said, Zacchaeus, get down here. I am going to go to your house today. I'm going to have lunch. I'm going to stay with you. 
And as he did that, the people, and I'm sure there was people who thought they were going to be the ones that Jesus would choose to spend time with, groaned. They, they were so resentful that Jesus was picking a sinner, a known cheat to have uh, lunch with and to spend time with. And this brings us to the second part of the framework of God's love that we, I'm just giving you like the appetizers for today as we're going to look at this for the rest of the, the month is that God's love is intentional. It is unconditional and it is intentional. And it should not be lost on you that Jesus, the Son of God, the, the person that God sent to us to show us what love looks like, to touch, to hear, to see love in action with, is the one who intentionally points at Zacchaeus and says, you, unloved, wealthy <laughs> chief tax collector, come on down here. I am going to spend time with you. In the eyes of everyone else, Zacchaeus was merely a rich, greedy man, but Jesus saw him as a man to invite into conversation, into community and into relationship. God's love is intentional. And how does Zacchaeus' story finish? In Luke 10, it says, Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and I have if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to your house because this to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Zacchaeus' life was turned upside down, just like Rahab's by the love of the love of God. Last last quick story that we're going to look at is the criminal. And this is an unnamed man. We don't know his name. I I can't control the slide, so I'm going to let Tom move it on to that. And we don't know his name. We, he, he, he just was a criminal that was planned and, and scheduled to be executed next to Jesus on the day that Jesus was crucified. And in, again, in his own words, he was a criminal, a criminal who was going to be punished justly. In his own words, he said, I did what I'm being uh, punished for because the other criminal that was on the other side of Jesus was jeering Jesus and saying, aren't you the Messiah? Won't you save us? And this criminal said, Why, what are you doing? Why are you saying that to Jesus? We are dying because we did these crimes. This man has done nothing. This unnamed man was witness to God's greatest gift. He was witness to Jesus' sacrifice for us. And this last part of the, the framework of God's love of being sacrificial love is the one that... <laughs> I don't even know if I'm going to be able to read these verses now. It, just, it, it, it should be the one that brings us to our knees because this is how God described his son. This is my son, Second Peter 1.17, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And then in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God's sacrificial love is just that. He gave us his Son. Jesus died on the cross for each and every one of us, for each and every one of our sins, so that our relationship with God might be restored God gave up his perfect son to pay the price for our sins. 
on the cross, God's full wrath was poured upon Jesus. And paradoxically, the same moment demonstrates God's greatest act of love. Jesus Christ willingly died so that we may live. I I don't know. I I don't even have any more words. The criminal story finished just as, as all of our stories finish. We get to live forever with a God that loves us dearly. And it and in verse 42, in the story of the criminal in Luke 23, in the, in the story of Jesus' crucifixion, he looks at Jesus and he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. These three stories are stories where God's love met these people in the exact moment. God's love found them in the exact moment that was planned for them, and it turned their lives upside down. It changed their eternal destination, and it's the same for each one of us. And I can't wait to read your stories in the chat box in a minute because they will be stories of God's love, which is unconditional and intentional and sacrificial. There are a few verses in the Bible that say, this is how we know what love is. And today, the one that I'm going to put up there for you is 1 John 3, 16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. We're going to get more into that second part as this month goes on, but this is how we know what love is, that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. As I mentioned earlier, I've had an interesting relationship with the Holy Spirit my whole spiritual life. Um, for those of you that know me, I get pictures a lot in my brain that sometimes I know exactly what they are and who they're for. Sometimes I need to speak them. Sometimes I need to pray them. Sometimes I need to sit in them for a while and work out what it is that God's trying to say to me. And um, this series and reading and preparing for today... God just kept giving me this picture of a Melissa and Doug wood puzzle, which I know that sounds a little crazy, and I had to work out a little bit about it. I'm sure you guys remember what these puzzles look like. They have the pegs, and the shapes are cut out exactly kind of where they fit. And um, uh, it it was bouncing around in my brain, and I, I was trying to put it with what I was reading. I had tabs open everywhere on my computer of scripture verses, and um, I was thinking, you know, as I grew in my my relationship with Jesus after being 15 and then moving on, I went to a lot of retreats. I heard a lot of speakers. I heard a lot of people talking about um, how we have this hole in our life that is there, and and, and it can only be filled by Jesus. And I kept thinking, is this is this what it is? It's like the little cutout of Jesus and he fits exactly in that shape and he, he fills that hole. And I was thinking, no, it's bigger than that or it is, is it that? Or I, I couldn't quite put my finger on it because the other picture I kept giving, getting was like the whole board was a picture of God's love. And, you know, I have a cutout with a peg in me and, and when God, you know, found me and, and I fit into his picture of love, then I become part of this bigger picture. And I, I was I still wrestling with it. I didn't really know. And I was talking to Ben and Tom at staff meeting this week and um, I'm explaining it and talking it through. And, and Tom just says, well, it doesn't have to be either or. It 
could be this, it could be both. It could, and it is both. And he was right. And I'll be the first to say he is often right. And he was right. It is, it is a picture that God was giving me of both. It is Jesus who fills the hole in our life and makes us complete when we put him in the throne room of our life. It is the whole picture of us fitting into God's story and God's story of love and the story that we're bringing to Fairfield County. So the one of the verses, the section of scripture that I had open on a tab and I was wrestling with and that um, at that moment, Tom says, there's these verses in John 17. And I'm like, Yes, there is. <laughs> I have them on my computer right here. And I'm going to read them because they, they're just amazing. It's Jesus' prayer to God. And the, I don't know whether the Melissa and Doug pictures will help, but it really helped me bring these verses to life of Jesus in his place, us in God's picture, in our place. And um, so here it is, John 17, verses 20 to 23. And this is Jesus praying to, to, to God his Father. My prayer is not for them, the disciples alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message and that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me and they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Ah, Just tab those verses somewhere this week and read them again and again and again. Um, I promise you it will just speak to your soul about God's love for you. I want to just finish uh, right now with reading... um, actual words that describe God's love from the scripture. There are plenty of pretty poems and philosophers and, and quotes that I could have found, but I nothing can beat these verses. And I'm not going to read them as complete verses. I'm just going to read them as a stream of consciousness of like what the scripture says about love. And I have put them in chunks. And I'm going to say, when I get to the end of a chunk, Shout out amen wherever you are. A high five the person next to you or high five Jesus if you're by yourself or if you need to get up and wriggle around a little bit, get up and do a victory dance. I don't care. Do anything to praise God and acknowledge God at the end of each of these sections. And I'll tell you when I get there because I hope that you can't but help to do that as I read um, about God's love. Are you ready? This is the picture that we, our little peg puzzles fit into, the picture of love that we bring to Fairfield County. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. We are not cast off. We cannot be separated from him. We will not be forsaken. We shall not fear. We are free of our sins. We have a stronghold in the day of trouble. We have a refuge. We are more than conquerors. We are rooted and established. Amen. God's love is for us. God's love for us is unfailing, abounding, compassionate, steadfast, gracious, merciful, faithful, gentle, good. Amen. God's love for us endures forever, surrounds us, redeems us, builds us up, is freely given. It fills the whole earth. It grants us sleep. God's love for us has been poured out into the hearts through the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
And lastly, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Amen. So today, know that you are fiercely loved by the God of the universe. Believe that we have a God that has already loved everyone in Fairfield County. He is more than capable of breaking through with this love to each person's circumstances, meeting them, finding them where they are today. And I hope as you read people's stories in the chat box now and as you go into your week and you, you look around the, your family, your friends, the people you come in contact with, all that you will be able to see is people who are just waiting for God to find them and that you might be the, the picture of love that helps them find God as they um, encounter you and encounter God through you. So get ready. The band is going to start playing. The slide is going to come up to remind you. And I just, I can't wait to read everybody's stories about the moment that God loved them. Mm-hmm.